Good evening, everyone. Tonight's class is titled The Answer, and it's been a year and a half coming. We began the class about a year and a half ago, and tonight we're going to discuss the first answer to our big question. What's the big question? I see Garrison pulling out his papers from a year and a half ago. <laughs> sure. If you don't mind passing this down. Here, my, my mandal. Yeah. Melissa, would you like a copy? This is like from... Sure, okay. A year and a half ago, we began the class discussing the opening title page of the Tanya, and I encourage you to join me. It's on page XVI. Page XVI. This, <laughs> otherwise known as 16, correct, but I, I say XVI because this is in the preface before the beginning. Once the, once the page numbers start, that's the wording. Page, so, page XVI over here, we're going to see the wording of the introduction of the Tanya written by the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Schneer Zalman himself. Sefer Likute Amarim, this is a book. The introduction reads, this is a book of gatherings. There's nothing novel here, says the Alter Rebbe. I'm just going to gather some ideas together. Part one, there's five parts of the Tanya. We're learning the first part. Entitled, Sefer Shel Beninim. Could anyone help me with the translation by now, what the word Sefer? Shell. Beninim. Intermediate. The intermediate man. This book is for the intermediate man, and as we've discussed, the Alter Rebbe wrote a book also called Sefer Shel Tzadikim, the book for the Tzadik, and he was instructed to burn it up. To burn it up. <laughs> because we don't need a book for Tzadik, that's not for us. The book for the Bainani, and I think all of us are challenged. Learning the, learning the book of the Bainani is enough of a challenge. And here, here it goes. This is the focus. Compiled from sacred books and from sages, Again, the Alter Rebbe is taking no credit here. He's saying, I just am compiling items. Exalted saints whose souls are in Eden, in, the, in Gan Eden. Based on the verse, the whole Tanya is here to explain to me this one verse. Ki for it is exceedingly near to you. So in your heart, in your mouth, and in your heart to do. It's very easy. I'm going to, the Torah itself, Deuteronomy, this is no... The, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us in Deuteronomy, the Torah is exceedingly close to you, exceedingly near to you. In your mouth, your speech, in your heart, is a reference to your thoughts. Your thought, speech, and what's the last word to do is action. Thought, speech, and action, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us, it's exceedingly near to you. And we're challenged. It's not so simple for me to take full control of my heart. What I love, what I fear is not so simple. It's not even so simple for me to control what I think, what I say, and what I do. So we have impulses, we have sudden reality checks that come to our minds. It's not so simple. Aha. And that's the whole purpose of the Tanya. But you know, before we even go further, there's a very simple answer here. Who was Moshe Rabbeinu talking to? He was talking to the Jewish people entering into the desert. We call those people the Dora Deya, the, the generation of knowledge. They heard firsthand from Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah. They heard from God Himself the first two commandments. So maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was just talking to that generation. The truth is, this was at the end of his life. We know the whole book of Devarim took how many days? A little bit over a month, 40 days from the beginning to the end. A fascinating insight, by the way. 
The book of Genesis of Bereshis spans over a thousand years. Shemos spans, again, a few hundred years. Vayikra is just a little wise, a few, a few weeks. Bamidbar spans, you know, 40 years, 40, 40 years in the desert, and the Varm is 40 days. Within, so Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to the Jewish people. Unfortunately, the previous generation had died out because of the sin of the spies. We're familiar with the sin of the spies. The spies went to Israel. They came back with negative talk. On Tisha B'Av, the Jewish people were crying. We'll never go inside. And God said, unfortunately, this generation has to die out. They can't go into Israel. Every year they would bury themselves. Whole story. We're now 40 years later. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to the Jewish people about to enter into, the, into Israel. He himself is going to pass away prior. And he's telling them, for you, perhaps. Moshe Rabbeinu was just talking to that generation. He says, for you guys, it's exceedingly near. But for us, in 5777, 2017, it's impossible. Perhaps. Is that a good answer, Sharon? Maybe. <laughs> no, it's not a good answer. Why is it not a good answer? Why is it not impossible? How do we know that when Moshe Rabbeinu told those people, it's exceedingly near to you, to fulfill the Torah in thought, speech, and action, how do we know it's applicable to us today? We were there at Sinai, supposedly, is our soul. We were there at Sinai, but we were not there 40 years later when this passage was said. True, but I think we accompanied them. We accompanied them in the desert? That's a fascinating thought. I don't know. It's a fascinating in insight. And this, perhaps, is the basis of the Torah. The Torah means a lesson. Torah, Torah milashon hora'ah. The word Torah means a lesson. The Torah is applicable in every generation, in every time, wherever you may be, however you may be. We've discussed how the word emet has the first letter of the, of the alphabet, aleph. It has the last letter, the tuf, and the middle letter, the mem. If the Torah is true, it's in every time, every... Let, let me give you an example. We know there were thousands and thousands of prophets that existed during the time of prophecy, when prophecy was revealed. During the time of the first two temples, for example. Of the first, of the two, of the temples. And yet, very few prophecies were recorded. In the book of Tanakh, very few. Why? Because only prophecies that are applicable to you and I today are recorded in the Torah. If they're not applicable, they're not recorded. The Torah is a lesson. When Moshe Rabbeinu said the Torah is exceedingly near to you, he was talking to you, to Jonathan, Moshe Mendel, Melissa, he was talking to all of us. So now I'm going to share with you five questions. Rabbi Shneir Zalman, the Alter Rebbe says, I'm going to explain to you in the tiny how it's exceedingly near to you. I'm going to share this. Well, I want to look at the verse and ask you five questions. Number one, a glaring question. What is the order, what is the appropriate order to share of speech, action, and thought? If I want to list it, what's the most appropriate order? From greatest to lowest. What is the greatest of the three garments we have? Thought. Sorry, I, I apologize. I take that back. When I said greatest, I meant the deepest. The most spiritual. When you when yes, the, the yes, the most spiritual, the highest is thought. What's the second? Speech. And then is something 
outside of us action. Thought, speech, and action. So either in the Torah, in the Pasuk, when Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to the Jewish people, either say that to fulfill the Torah and thought, speech, and action is exceedingly near to you, either use the wording thought, speech, and action, or, or action, speech, and thought. Looking in the verse, what is the order Moshe Rabbeinu said it in? Can anyone share with me? Looking in the verse, in the introduction of the, of the Tanya, it's exceedingly near to you, your mouth. Speech is in your mouth. That's the first one Moshe Rabbeinu says, in your mouth. Thought. So action. Speech, thought, and action. The order seemingly doesn't make any sense. Question number one. Question number two. Thought. What doesn't make any sense? The order in the passage. Moshe Rabbeinu should have said that it's exceedingly near to you in your thought, speech, and action. Yet what he says is it's exceedingly near to you in your speech, thought, and action. Question number one. Question number two. Over here, we're going to look at the Hebrew for a second. If I wanted to say thought, speech, and action, you say machashava, thought. Dibor, speech, and masa action. Let's translate that now in the, in the Torah <laughs> passage. You could say, Beficha. Sorry, you could say, Bilvavicha in your heart. Your heart is a reference to thought. Beficha is good in your mouth. Clearly a reference to speech. Belasoso, to do it. The appropriate terminology would be and in your actions. The Torah is exceedingly near to you in your heart, in your mouth, and in your actions. What is this terminology? It's very fascinating. Moshe Rabbeinu says it's exceedingly near to you in your mouth, in your heart, to do. What do you mean to do? It's exceedingly near to you in your mouth, in your heart, and in your actions. Diktuk the grammar, is the, the terminology here is seemingly lacking. David, is, does that, you got the question? It, it's a question in the Hebrew, but nonetheless, I think we could all... Should I say it again? Go ahead. One more time. The Torah's terminology for action should not be la so so to do, but rather uve ma'asecha, and in your action. That it's exceedingly near to you in your action. Question number two. Three more questions. Fascinating questions. Number one is, how could the Torah say it's exceedingly near to you? Ha! I can only talk for myself, but I know for me it's very hard to be in, full, in control of my thought, speech, and action. So practically speaking, on a practical level, a reality check, is this really true? Question number three, is it true that I could really be in full control of my thought, speech, and action? Question number four. You're telling me I could be in full control of thought, speech, and action. I want to share with you what the Talmud in Brachot 33b shares with us. Famous Gemara. Very cool Gemara. The Gemara shares like this. The Amma Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Chanina shares. Hakol bidei shamayim chutz miyiras shamayim. Everything is ordained from above, aside for what, Dr. Yosef? Fear of God. Fear of God. Everything is ordained Above, aside for fear of God. Continues the Gemara. How do I know this? Rabbi Hanina says, How do I know that everything is in Hashem's hands and the one thing I can't control is my fear of God? The or the only thing that Hillel Shlomo has control over is fear of God. How do I know? Continues Rabbi Hanina, Shinema, as the Pasuk shares with us. 
Moshe Rabbeinu, again, in the 40 year, in, at the end of the 40 years in the desert in, in Deuteronomy, shares with the Jewish people, Yisrael, he says, and now, Jewish people, what is God asking from you? What's He asking? Ki'im, the only thing He's asking is Le'ira, to fear Him. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying clearly, the only thing God is asking is fear. So Rabbi Hanina says clear proof that the only thing that's in our control is fear. I can't control how I'm doing, I can't control how I'm feeling, I can't control how I'm going to interact with someone, that's ordained. I could control my fear of God. Continues the Gemara, one second. The terminology in the Pasuks makes it sound like fear is nothing. It's just a small thing. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people, the only thing God wants from you is to fear Him. What do you mean the only thing? Fear is hard. To develop fear in my heart for God is, is tough. So the Gemara asks this question. It's easy to fear God. That's not a small thing. That's a big task. Continue, and, and how could I prove that fearing God is a big task? The author of the Zohar, the story of Lag Baomer, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai shares the only treasure chest that God has. In other words, what's God's treasure? Fear of heaven. It's so precious when a Jew fears heaven that God puts it in his treasure chest. So on the one hand, Moshe is telling the Jewish people fear of heaven is a simple thing God is asking. And on the other hand, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says fear of God is so great that Hashem treasures it. It's the greatest treasure. There's nothing else as special as that. How does Rabbi Shimon Bar know that fear of God is tough? The Pasuk says the fear of God is his treasure. So we have a question. How could you say that fear of God is a small thing? We know it's tough. And the Gemara itself says, you're right, it's very tough. When Moshe Rabbeinu was saying fear of heaven is a simple thing. Who was talking? Moshe was talking. In Legabe Moshe, Milsa Zutrasahi. Relative to Moshe, fear was a simple thing. When Moshe, when the, Moshe said, the only thing Hashem is asking is fear of God, that was because for him, fear of God was very simple. The Gemara itself, so question number four is, not only, as in question number three, is it hard for us to be in control of our thoughts, speech, and action? The Gemara itself tells us that it's the, the Moshe Rabbeinu. For him it's easy to have control over his fear. But for an average Jew to have control of his fear is very tough. The Gemara in Brachot seemingly says this clearly. Seemingly this is a contradiction of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Pasuk. In Deuteronomy where he says it's exceedingly near to have fear of God. And in the Gemara where... Are you with me? <laughs> are, are we, are we too many, I hope it's not too many questions at once. <laughs> I lost track of what <laughs> The last and final question. The last and final question. We're going to prove now that fear of God is not in our hands. How do I know? The Midrash says clearly that fear of, a fear of heaven or items related to the heart are only for tzaddikim. Only a tzaddik should really worry about 
his love and fear of God. But for an average person, they shouldn't get caught up. It's, it's beyond them. So the fact of the matter is, the Midrash is telling us clearly, not only is it tough as the Gemara shares with us, the fact of the, fact of the matter is, the Midrash shares clearly that fear and love of Hashem are seemingly beyond us. Like, don't even try. Don't start. Why did you slip in love there? Oh, because fear and love are, are going to be intertwined, as we'll see. Okay. Although I'm, I, I spoke a lot about fear, it's one thing. Okay. There are emotions, and emotions seemingly are not, we, we are not in control of our emotions. Okay. And with that, and with these, with this introduction, let's, let us open to chapter 17. Are there any questions? Um, if we uh, high center on the term fear, I don't know what it means in the Hebrew. That's the way it's translated in English. But I think if I remember things that I have read, and uh, it's not necessarily reliable, in terms of Judaism and understanding, fear and love are co-equal. Uh, I wanted to share, actually, after Sandra mentioned it, that love is harder than fear. And if we're going to share that fear is hard for someone to create, how much more so, in the wording of the Tanya, we're going to see the Kolshikain, how much more so love is hard. Why? Why is love... If you're talking about human terms, ain't it the truth? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't hear. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Why is love harder to be in control of, of over fear? Because fear is external, more external than love. And we could just see that. To fear someone, that could come from the outside. Love is something more internal. And if we're learning that fear of God is tough for us to create, if we're learning fear of God is impossible for us to create, so how much more so, something more internal like love is beyond us. You say fear of Hashem is reward. A person is rewarded for fear of Hashem, but love of Hashem is rewarded for generations. I, I remember a lesson when I was a kid about that. I, I, it's not coming. I'm not remembering, but I'm sure it's true. Please. Well, if some of these statements you're making with a question, you don't agree with, does that mean I'm not yet thinking Jewishly, or? Yeah. Could you ask a, a direct question? Sure. In number five, for <laughs> yes. example. Yes. Um, or actually, it starts in four. Fear of God, according, uh, Moshe says it's simple, but it's hard for most of us. What if, I don't agree with that. I think it's easier to fear Hashem. I mean, I think it's easy to fear Hashem. Yeah. I agree with the point you're making in five that um, love is harder, uh, a harder emotion to with Hashem. But in terms of the fear, no, I, I can't agree. Well, it depends what type of fear. There's many types of fear. And for someone to be scared of a punishment, that's not hard. For someone to be scared of Hashem, and as we're going to learn soon, a deeper fear of Hashem is, you're not, is that you're not scared of any punishment. You're scared to separate from the only entity in the entire world. 
you're not scared of Hashem. And often, for, we oftentimes look at fear as, as punishment. And yes, that's easy to create. Unfortunately, some people are caught up in fear of Hashem on a literal level. When Moshe Rabbeinu said it's hard, that's talking about fear of separation from Hashem. And that's much deeper. Did that make sense? I we'll have to think about it. I sure. haven't ever heard it explained like that. Sure. Sure. Well, that would be uh, basically defining fear as reverence. Oh. Oh. Yes. In which case, if you define it like that, then it's it's very close to love. Ah. Yeah. To me, the important concept is the omnipotence. When you stand facing the omnipotence of Hashem, it is hard not to get a little bit of a a certain intellectual and physical tension. It's like watching the water shoot out of a spillway at a dam multiplied by an infinite factor. The, the uh, sheer awesomeness um, and uh, I would make a footnote here from my very amateur standing that it is not only uh, uh, the generation had to live out its life in the desert but the absolute arrogance of the golden calf was enough to cause that generation after everything that had been done uh, to be separated from uh, a respect for the awesomeness and omnipotence of God. So it's not merely a fear in the, in the sense of uh, being afraid. It's a, that one has to stand in respect of the absolute awesomeness of the power that's involved. Well, and, and I appreciate that point. And kind of to add to that, two things. Firstly, what, exactly what Sandra brought up is a big focus of the Tanya. A big focus of what we're going to continue learning is who we really should be. What should we try, try and strive for? And to, what we really should be striving for is a deeper level of love and fear. And yes, they're going to be interconnected, but one of the key def, the key um, differences between the two is is this going to stop you from sinning or, or will it cause you to do mitzvot? Love love generally speaking is the cause for mitzvot fear is what's going to stop us from, from not doing Averot so when I said that, that you should have a fear of Hashem to not want to separate from Him that's going to be an, a power that's going to hold you back from anything negative. And that's going to be Yira Ila'a. There's Yira Tata, the lower level of fear, and there's Yira Ila'a, like Aliyah, an elevated level of fear, which is, again, this connection to Hashem and being afraid to separate from Him. Because Hashem is everything. But, but Sandra, great point. We'll get to it. This is a focal point of what we're going to discuss. Thank you very much. Okay. Chapter 17. 
And what's awesome about chapter 17 is it comes after chapter 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. And we, let's put it all together in, in a few lines. We've learned until now that each Jew has two souls. We've learned until now that each one of these souls, just this past Shabbos, I was learning with someone and he said, do we have two complete souls? Or is it one soul with two halves? What's the answer? Yes. Two complete souls. That's what we've learned in Tanya. There are two complete souls with each one has its own tensify road, each one has its own thought, speech, and action. They're, they're two separate entities. That's point A we've learned. We've learned that we have the ability to be in full control of our action every day. Every person has the ability with, through his mind to control what he's going to do and certainly what he's going to say. And finally, we just concluded in chapter 16 learning that although we can't all create uh, this fiery love for Hashem, but through using our intellect, our mind, we at least could create a hidden love for Hashem. A love that within our hearts, it may not be on fire, but... It, but it's there. With this introduction, let us start chapter 17. With, with the above in mind, chapter 17 on page 72, with the above in mind, we now could return, one can understand the scriptural text. For this thing is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart, so you can fulfill it. And now we're going to share those three questions, the, the last three questions that we asked at the beginning of the class. At first glance, the statement for this thing is very near to you in your heart seems to be contrary to our experience. Our experience tells us that our heart is not in our power. And yet, the Torah is eternal. Let's look at footnote number two. Sorry, footnote number three. Hence, because the Torah is eternal, it could not refer to the times of Moses alone. Moses was, Moshe wasn't sharing this only with the generation he was talking to, but must hold good for our time as well. This statement is true forever, that it's exceedingly near to you and seemingly it goes against the reality. Question 1 mentioned here. Back in the Tanya, for it is not a very near thing to change one's heart from mundane, de from mundane desires to a sincere love of God. It's not easy. Oh, it's easy. One day you love ice cream, and the next day you say, you know what? I'm completely off of it. Maybe you're off of it for other reasons. But to be off it because you're dedicated and love Hashem, that's not so simple. And indeed, we're now going to prove that it's hard it is stated in the Gemara, is fear of heaven a small thing? As we discussed, for Moshe Rabbeinu it's simple, but for all of us it's hard. And how much more so love, if fear is tough, how much more so love which is even deeper? And moreover, a third point, the rabbis also said in the Midrash, that only tzaddikim have control over their hearts. So clearly we don't have control over our hearts. So why did Moshe Rabbeinu say that we do have control over our hearts? Okay, let's get to the answer, here we go. The answer is amazing. Remember, in question number two, we said that the wording in the Pasuk is off, seemingly. It should have said, first, that it's exceedingly near to you in your 
thought, speech, and action. And yet first is listed your speech, thought, and action. And speech, thought, and action is seemingly out of order. But the order is perfect. The, the Pasuk, Moshe Rabbeinu is only mentioning here, when he said, says it's exceedingly near to you, he is only talking about speech and your, your thoughts, or to be more precise, your, your feelings connected to action. Moshe Rabbeinu is only telling you that your emotions connected to action are simple. And that is why in the Pasuk it does not say The Pasuk does not say Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it's exceedingly near to you in your mouth and in your heart and in your actions. No, Moshe Rabbeinu said it's exceedingly near to you in your mouth, in your heart, to do. What is near to you in your heart? Only to do. It is near to you to create love and fear to do. We are not saying love and fear are easy. That's not what the Torah is saying at all. The Torah is saying love and fear necessary to do action. Remember we spoke just a moment ago that if you, if someone, right, if you, we don't love fish, we hate fish, we kill fish, right? If someone truly lo loving God itself is not going to make us not sin. We always hear, I love God. Okay, so why don't you fulfill everything he says? Because that fear is missing. If someone, if God, even if someone, if, they only, if you only love, that's not going to stop you from, that's not going to hold you back from something, from not doing. We need fear and love. We need fear and love to do. So again, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people that what fear and love is close to you? What is near to you? Let's look clearly in the Pasuk. Now it's crystal clear. For it is exceedingly near to you in your mouth. Yeah, we could all be in full control of our mouth. And in your heart. But what part of your heart is exceedingly near to you? The part of your heart necessary to do. The fear and love of Hashem necessary to, for action, that is clearly within our ability. Let's read that inside. Last paragraph, page 72. But the words, so you can fulfill it, refer to a love which merrily leads to the performance of the commandments. This being the hidden desire of the heart even if it does not glow openly like flaming coals. To make sure that we're not going to sin and we're going to do Torah and mitzvot, we don't need a flaming fire. No. As long as you could create even a concealed love and fear of Hashem, that's enough. This thing is very near. And it is easy for any person who has, a, who has brains in his head. If you have a, a head on your shoulder... Well then, for his brain is under his control. Hashem has given each and every one of us control over our brain. And you are able to focus. And he's able to concentrate it on anything he wishes. If then, he will contemplate with it on the greatness of the Ain Sof, blessed is he, if we're going to focus on the greatness of God, he will inevitably 
generated in his mind at least the love of God to cleave to him through the performance of his commandments and Torah. If someone could come every morning, spend a moment. Spend a few moments thinking about how Hashem is the entire world. We are all a part of Hashem, about His greatness. This will have, a, this will have an effect. And every person can do this. Every person can take time to focus. And that will, in the words of the Tanya, inevitably create and generate, perhaps concealed, but love and fear of Hashem. Enough love and fear to guarantee the fulfillment of Torah and Mitzvot. Are there any questions? How important is a fiery love and fear of Hashem? The answer is, <laughs> it's actually not a fear question. Because it's very important. Of course, we have to love and fear Hashem. But that's not the reason we're here. There's a pasuk we say, Sof davar hakol nishma. Any, anyone familiar with this pasuk? Sof davar hakol nishma, so elokim yirabat mitzvosav shemor, kizeh, Call Hada. Ki ze, help me translate if you can. Ki ze call Hadam. This is the whole man. What? What is the whole man? What is our purpose in this world? Ki ze call Hadam. What is our purpose in this world? Moshe Rabbeinu tells us in Parshat Veschanan, last line, last pasuk of Parshat Veschanan, Vishamartas Hamitzvah. You should keep the body of commandments, the super rational commands, and the rational commands. Which I, I command you to observe today. Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm commanding you to observe them today. You don't need to do them tomorrow. You should have the Torah and Mitzvot, we're only here for one day. Wouldn't the, wouldn't the Pasuk make, make perfect sense if Moshe Rabbeinu said, I am commanding them to you? To do? Why does he need to say, I'm commanding you to do them today? Because it's very easy to postpone. It's easy to postpone, fair enough. Yes. Good. Maybe it means I'm commanding you today to do. Or reminding you to do it each day. I mean, uh, maybe the Hayom is the day today I'm commanding right. each you to do Today is the we start today. Yeah, it's a good. If you look in the way the, uh, you know, there's many ways how you could read a pasuk and many things that guide us. One of them is in the trap, in the way we sing it. If you look, you'll see that the word hayom today is connected to the word to do. I'm com commanding you to do. I'm commanding you to do today. Why? Well, Rashi commentate. Uh, Rashi comments from the Gemara in Erevin. And he says, to quote, Hayom la sosam, to do today. Oh, and I'll read it, I'll read it for you here. Why does the, the verse stress that he should observe the mitzvot today? Rashi. For tomorrow, in the world to come, you will take the reward for observing them. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, today you do mitzvot, tomorrow in the world to come, you get your reward. 
And yet, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say we need to do today? He said we need to fulfill the mitzvot. Our task in this world is action items. Love and fear is not our, our focus in this world. In this world, our focus is action. Did you, did you put on tefillin today? Did you light Shabbos candles? What's deep inside of us is important. But what's really important is action. And therefore, if I don't have a fiery love, that's completely fine. That's not my task in this world to have a fiery love of Hashem. My task in this world is to do, is to eat kosher. Our task in this world is to go ahead and, you know, make sure that we dress appropriately. We, we you, whatever the, have a mezuzah on our door, whatever the mitzvah may be. Action. And therefore, again, although we may not be able to generate this fiery love, that's okay. That's not why I'm here. That's one of the reasons I'm here, but that's not the ultimate reason I'm here. The ultimate reason I'm here is action. Let's see this inside, and then I'll take the question. And this constitutes the whole purpose of man. What is the whole purpose of man? For it is written, this day to do them. This day referring specifically to the world of physical action. While tomorrow and afterlife is a time of reward, as explained elsewhere. Our task here is to do action, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu was able to look each and every one of us in the eye and say, it's exceedingly near to you to generate, it's exceedingly near to you to have full control of your mouth, what you say. It's exceedingly near to you to have control of your heart connected to action. And that's what we're here for. Yes, David. With respect, I'd like to deliver a, a minority annotation. You take a look at the Shema, it doesn't say anything about fear. No place. What does it say? Love. It says, thou shalt love. Now, what difference does that make? I made the comment earlier that they are closely related. This is the point, and I think this is the point of the Tanya and of the Alter Rebbe. Specifically, in our godly soul, our obligation is to set an example as a piece of Hashem, of the Ein Sof, that we fulfill that part of us which is godly. That we be an exemplar of the Holy Spirit every day, every way, as an agent of that quality of power, of presence, of creation. And each of us can be looked to if we put our mind to it, if we put our soul to it, if we put our effort to it, that we are uh, a piece of the Almighty to the degree that we don't see and don't fulfill that, we are human. To the degree that we do we are above and beyond and setting the example. And that is our obligation to continue to strive to realize that. What were you arguing on? What are you disagreeing about? <laughs> I'm specifically making the point that it's not just the fear. The love is emphasized, first of all. And the second, which I think the Alter Rebbe is making the point, that we are exemplars. We should never lose sight of that. Yes, thank you. I just need to clarify. You know, you mentioned in Shema, we only mentioned love. And I want it to be clear, because again, love and fear is something we're going to focus on a lot. 
The third mitzvah in the Torah is to love Hashem. The fourth mitzvah in the Torah is to fear Hashem. And we have a pasuk that says, Hashem You need to fear Hashem. So, although it's not in the Shema, it, it, it is mitzvah number four. I'm not disregarding it. Perfect. I, I wanted to be clear about that. But thank you. That's certainly valid points. Um, let's summarize together. And I think we'll conclude with this. You have a question? You had five questions, and you only answered one. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's answer the five questions now. <laughs> they should be crystal clear. Is that another year now? No, 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 no. I hope everyone should leave here can with just, answers tonight. Can we just answer four and practice for Pesach? <laughs> <laughs> question number one was... Was about the... Um, the order. The order. We asked, why are you saying mouth, love, mouth, heart, and action? And we've explained that action is not an item of its own. Action is really its connection to the heart. The heart, you're, you have, it's exceedingly near to you to have control of your heart regarding action items. Question number two was, the wording, why does it say, la soso to do, if the third item is referring to Action. It should have said that in your actions it's exceedingly near to you. And again, the same points. We're not saying right now, in this, in this Pasuk, we're not discussing action. We're saying, we're saying it's exceedingly near to you in your heart to do. The words to do are connected with the words your heart. Question number three was, seemingly it's against the reality. You're right. You're right. Seemingly, the reality shows us that love and fear is not very simple for us. The love and fear that is simple is only love and fear necessary to do, to do action. And that answers the last three questions. That seemingly it's not simple. Seemingly, the Gemara itself says only Moshe Rabbeinu is you know, able to easily have fear. And finally, the fact that the Midrash itself says that only Tzadikim their heart is in control. You're right. You're right. Our heart is easily accessible to generate love and fear necessary for action items. So we're leaving tonight. On the one hand, maybe we've been put down. We came to class for the last year and a half thinking that we're going to come up with some magic tool to have full control of our heart. And that the truth is, we don't have that magic tool right now. We don't, have one. we don't have that magic tool to, to generate love and fiery fear and leave here, you know, flying on, on eagle's wings. But what we have established and we have explained is a method how to create love and fear that will enable us to fulfill Hashem in completely in thought, speech, and action. And that is by spending a few times turning off our cell phone, turning off all outside distractions, and meditating on the greatness of God. If we could do that for only a few moments every day, when I was in yeshiva, they told us, try for 60 seconds. Try to think about it. <clears throat> Slowly, this is going to generate a love and fear of God that will enable you to fulfill the Torah and thought, speech, and action. Are there any questions? Yes, Gershon. Um. Is, is that act of meditating for 60 seconds 
Is that considered action or thought? Firstly, so you know, when I say meditate, this is not a Chabad thing. It is not a Hasidic thing. The Talmud says, in Mesechta Brachot, in Tractate Brachot, and it's quoted in Halacha, that before we dive in each morning, we need to dive in You have to know before whom you're standing. You don't just get on the phone. We've all done that. We've all called someone. We pick up the phone, and we forgot what we wanted to say because we weren't thinking. <laughs> we need to, firstly, we need to focus on talking to Hashem. And even then, the Gemara continues, and the separate Gemara says we need to have Koved Rosh. We can't start davening without focusing. So again, this is not a Chabad thing, it's not a Chabad In concrete terms, that's the whole reason you put on a girdle. Yes, we're trying to focus, we're trying to gather our, our mind. Um, so, Gershon, to answer your question, what was Maybe your, it's not either. What was your question? Remind me. The question me. was, is, is the act of that thought process, is that thought or action? That would be thought. I mean, you're not, you're not doing anything with your hands. Oh, okay. So that, that's that, would, the, uh, that would be using your garment of your soul, it would be using your thought. But it's also action because you can, you can decide not to do that and to just start davening before. Or you can have prayer without intent. I, I hear you. At that moment, you're using your thought. You may be holding yourself back from doing something else. But the garment that your godly soul is enclosed in at that moment is your thought. I'm just trying to understand what, what begets what. Does action generate thought and love? Or and It sounds like that's the direction we're headed here, is doing mitzvot ultimately gives us that, that love and helps us direct our thoughts in the, in the right place. I think she made a good point, but um, uh, it's not true prayer. To pray without, what, say it again, what did you say? Not intent. Without intent, it's not true prayer. Your prayer is lacking without intent. Garrison, it starts with your thought. It starts with your love and fear, and that will generate the ability to love, to, to do completely Torah and mitzvot. But don't wait to have love and fear to do Torah and mitzvot. Okay. So along that line, is speech then not action? Speech is not action. That's hard for me to find. Right? You could speak. Mm -hmm. Thought is deep within you. Speech, you could say what you want. You, you could, you could, you don't even have to say what you mean. You could say whatever you want, but that's a specific garment. Action is doing something. Let me put it in other words. We, when action is when you're putting your energy into something else. That's oftentimes, well, in, in a Kabbalistic sense, action is when you're transferring energy into another object. Speech, it doesn't have that 
aspect within it. Say that again. That is non-linguistic. That's not how linguists speak. When you think about, for example, not at all. I mean, even someone wrote a book laying relation to a unified theory of human behavior. I mean, it is just foundational. I'm having a you know what, I, I hear that, and, and I'll be happy to do more research, into, God willing. You talk about the, in this case, the negative impacts of Lashon Hara. Right. Indirect. So they're connected, yes. I, I, hear, I hear the point, and God willing, I'll do more research on it. Thank you, everyone.